Welcome to the podcast of Revival Life Church, a spirit-filled multicultural church in Boca Raton, Florida. If you would like more information about Revival Life Church or Pastor Carl Thomas, you can find us on the web at revivallife.church. Amen, amen. Come on, yeah, give a clap offering to the Lord. Give somebody a hug. Make sure they're all right from that worship. Make sure they're doing all right. Make sure they're doing good. Hallelujah. 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 I, um, I have a confession of sorts to make. I, um, <clears throat> hallelujah. I, uh, I do this for a living. Uh, about 50, you know, 48 to 50 weeks out of the year, I uh, stand up and I deliver a message. I spend my week uh, studying the Word, whether I'm preaching or not. I uh, study church history. I study theology. I study psychology. I study philosophy. I study how to cut down trees. That has nothing to do with this. If you're a guy, you understand why I do that. Uh, I study how to, how to tear down dams. I just learned stuff. When I took the, uh, the strength finders, uh, there's my, my two strongest strengths. Anybody taking strength finders? Anybody, anybody ever take that? Yes, one, two people. Two people in the room have taken the strength finders test. I would, you know, I, I, people, you know, us charismatics are a little funny about these personality tests. Uh, we're, we're like afraid that if we uh, take a test, that it's somehow going to put a curse on us or something. Or like this test is somehow going to put us in a box that we don't want to be in. And they're like, oh, I don't want to. It's just a test, right? And it's amazing when you take these things, what you find out about yourself. Um, and the first thing we find out about ourselves when we take a personality test is that we're not nearly as unique as we think we are. <laughs> you know, it, we, we, I've taken all the leadership of this church through the Enneagram. The Enneagram is not in the Bible. Of course, it's not in the Bible, right? The, the, the Bible's not in the Bible, right? Like it's, it was collected later. Hello. And so uh, we took this personality test and uh, people were absolutely shocked and amazed that you can get all of population and put them in nine groups. It, it just it just like because we just thought we're so unique. And as it turns out, we're all created in God's image and uh, we all reflect certain aspects of his image. And so uh, I took the strength finders and, and uh, my two strongest strengths and strength finders is number one, I'm a learner. Number two, I'm an activator. So I find stuff out and I get it to people. I discover something in the spirit realm, and I give it to people. This is what I do. This is, this is how God created me. He gives me information or power or knowledge or ability or faith, and I impart it to other people. This is what I am called to do. And so then people are like, well, okay, pastor, now that I have this, what am I supposed to? I was like, well, I already learned. I did my part, right? I learned, and I gave it to you. Now, you've got to go figure out how to use it. People are like, a pastor, you know what you ought to do? You ought to go, I learn and I give to you. Now do something with it. And so, and so I study all the time. I like to come into the pulpit ready uh, with all the stuff. I, like, I don't just like read the Bible and think, hey, this might be clever and stand up here and give it to you. This is not that kind of church, right? This isn't the kind of church where I just go through, you know, a 52 sermons in a year book and I just present some information. 
Uh, what I do is I study the Word to be formed by the Word. I go to commentaries. I talk to people. I pray through it. I write messages. Often when I get in the pulpit, it's the third message I've written that week on the subject. It's quite frustrating to write two and three messages just to realize that you're not going to preach any of them. No one's ever going to hear them. It's bad enough that I write a message. I spend 20, 30 hours writing a message and I give it to you and then you don't even remember it three days later and it goes on my hard drive and that's the end of it. It's like off in the ether and that's the end of it. Like that's my life. I learn, I get baptized, I deliver and then it's just that's, you know, hopefully though, the goal is that it is creating some sort of spiritual formation in you that is creating a framework that you can interact with God and that you can appropriate his knowledge, his wisdom, his love to transform you. See, the goal of the church I have learned in my older years that I'm coming into here that I'm claiming in the name of Jesus. Uh, I, 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 the, the, the goal here is not now hear me when I say this. The goal is not to be a charismatic superstar. The goal is not to have um, the whole Bible memorized. The goal is to be transformed into the likeness of Christ. That is the goal of the believer, to be transformed into the likeness of Christ, to live a cruciform life, a life that reflects the cross of Jesus Christ and His mission on the earth. If we can allow ourselves to be transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit, by the dying of our flesh, by the surrendering, by the serving, by the encounters, then we can be formed into the likeness of Christ. Catholics have a word for this that I think they, not that I can judge the Catholic Church, uh, they get it a little wrong. See, um, in, my, in my estimation, Catholics believe that it's everybody's goal to become a saint. That we want to live a life so transformed that we've come into holiness on this side of death. And those who come into pure holiness on this side of death are made saints on the other side. Now, most people don't get that far. And so after death, they go to what the Catholics believe is purgatory, where the remaining sin gets worked out. And hopefully you'll be worthy to be in God's presence uh, later on. Now, of course, I don't I don't believe that part of it. I don't believe that, you know, we, we're not worthy of God's presence once we're saved. Once once you've given your life to Jesus Christ, you are worthy. Excuse me. Before you give your life to Christ, you're worthy. <laughs> once you give your life to Christ, now you can actually do it. Right now, now we can actually come into it. And so uh, I, 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 I've been studying this week and I believe the Lord gave me a message that I wrote out all week. And I was really praying, Lord, this looks more like a message series than a message. And I'm going to um, throw so much at these poor people. This is going to be one of them T.D. Jake sermons where I got three messages in a message and it takes almost two hours to preach. And I'm like, I'm willing, you know, because the Super Bowl is not till what, six, seven. I don't I, I'm. I got plenty of time. I got spicy boiled peanuts working at the house right now. If you're a spicy boiled peanut fan, you can swing through and, you know, taste my spicy boiled peanuts, right? So I'm like, you know, Lord, I'm, I'm you know, I'm straight, you know, like I'm, I'm good. And, uh, and so I went to bed telling my wife, got a lot of message for tomorrow, but we'll see what happens. And uh, I went to uh, lay down in my bed and um, I was reading a little bit and the Lord said, hey, let's talk about prayer. I was like, oh, um, okay, um, prayed already, but, you know. I pray, I, I, I do the daily office, pray with my wife before we go to bed. My wife's now knocked out, I'm laying in bed, and now we're starting to talk about prayer. I'm like, well, I already prayed, but okay, let's do it. Let's talk about prayer. And then the Lord begins to kind of unpack some stuff to me last night. And I'm like, 
this looks a lot like a message, Lord. Now, I wish, you know, I was awake all week, right? Like, <laughs> Thursday when I'm freaking out, like, I still don't have a message, Lord. I'm not sure what I'm supposed to be doing right now. Silence, right? Uh, Friday, silence. Mike Rentler called me last night about 7. He's like, I just felt like I was supposed to call you, see how you're doing. I'm like, still working on my message. Finally get it finished up, but come to bed, you know, take a shower or whatnot, go to bed, and uh, uh, the Lord's like, hey, how, how about we talk about this? So um, tech team, I appreciate all your efforts. Uh, we're not preaching any of that stuff I gave you. Um, today, the title of my message is Communion with God. Communion with God. And we're going to be talking out of uh, Luke. Um, we're going to go backwards a little bit, um, and hopefully what the Lord has um, deposited in my spirit will will resonate with you. And it's important that we understand what communion with God means. And even the, the phraseology that us Pentecostal charismatics like to use, this download in my spirit, I have found, and stick with me here, don't get offended, I have found that God almost never fully downloads something in your spirit. What the Lord does is bring to remembrance something that was already in your spirit. Almost never does God give you information you did not already know. He mines the depth of your heart to bring something in the right timing for you to understand. Does that make sense? Now, what I'm going to preach today, I've already studied in times past. I fully have delved into this. It's not like I'm hoping this is biblical. But as I sat down and talked with the Lord, He began to put some things together that I have taught before, and He's putting pieces together. Do you understand what I'm saying right now? And here's why I'm saying this. We have a lot of young people in this church. And when you get to a church, I've lived through this. When you get to a church and the pastor stands up and says, you know, I was thinking this morning. That means he didn't write a message. And he's making something up on the fly. And that's a key to you to find a new church, right? Because that is, you're so spiritual that what you're preaching may not be actual knowledge. It may not be actual truth. The Bible says to study to show yourself approved. We're to study the word and understand the word. If you want to know if somebody really has a genuine call of God on their life, look at their library. People who are called to ministry read books. I'm going to say that again. If somebody feels like they're called to ministry, they need to be reading books because they need to understand that I do not know everything. You ever go to a doctor and they're like, well, doctor, I think it's this. And they start running down why it's not that. And they start talking about this. And you're like, well, but WebMD said. And they're like, well, no, this indicates that because they actually read books. Right? This is why, like, when you watch on TV and, like, uh, the prisoners defend themselves in court. And you're like, hmm, you look like a moron. Right? Because you don't understand how this thing works. Is anybody, under, is anybody tracking with me right now? You ever get a new person show up on your job and they feel like they can do it better than you and you're like, this is day one. You don't even know the people in the office yet. You don't even know where the bathroom is, yet you think you can do the job better than me. Right? Like, hello. And so we got a book that was written over a very, very long time in a language we don't know to a people we do not understand Dealing with circumstances we are not familiar with. Using idioms we did not grow up with. And yet we feel like we can just read it in a non-native language and fully just instantly understand what it means by the power of the Spirit. Now, there is no church history of that. There's a lot of bad theology that comes from that. So I say all that to say, I'm preaching a message the Lord gave me last night, but the Lord has been giving it to me for years as my study. Amen. 
So, amen. 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 Hallelujah. Communion with God. See, <clears throat> it is God's desire that we would enter into the plane that the Spirit calls us. We, 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 we want to get in communion with God in prayer in a way that we enter into a realm that is other than this earthly realm. Pastor, what are you talking about? I'm talking about God as Spirit. And since God is Spirit, we must enter into communion with God by Spirit. We need to get to a place where we can commune with God, spirit to spirit. What we, what we encountered in worship this morning doesn't just happen on its own. It happens when there's a worship leader who says, hey, I am not everything. It's not all about this instrument and my vocal cords, but there is a God I'm trying to connect with. And when I connect with this God and I sing from my heart, all of a sudden, there is an open door of atmosphere where other people can come into my communion. There is a communion happening. I need you to understand this. There is a communion happening within the Trinity right now. Within the Father, Son, and Spirit as they move one to another in loving relationship and mutual submission. They're loving and exalting one another higher than themselves. And then all of a sudden, Jesus Christ, through the sacrifice on the cross, Holy Spirit comes and says, hey, you might want to be a part of this little fellowship right here. And then you recognize, I can't get into that fellowship. I got too much sin in my life. And then the Father makes it known to you that I sent my Son to die on a cross so you can come within this Trinitarian fellowship. And then the Lord calls you. And then you get there and you're like, wow, Father, Son, Spirit, I don't understand the Trinity. I don't get it. You're like, that's right, because our communion is so tight. We're one. And we're invited into that communion of the Trinity. We live this life in the midst of the Trinity. And when you are in worship with people who are in communion with God, there is a communion that you're like, wow, I am invited into their communion with God. That's why when you got a sin-filled worship leader leading up there, it just feels a little funky. It feels a little icky. It feels a little, why am I getting a headache from a song that I like? Why is it that I see them up there screaming and yelling, but there isn't anything happening down here? Because they don't have any actual fellowship with God. What they have is their own efforts and their own pride and their own workings. It's not communion with God. What they're saying, why don't you come commune with my gift? And I'm like, that's all right, friend. I already got a God. It's a challenge for worship leaders. Any church you're in, you got to pray for your worship leader because the pastor sits here, stands in the pastor. I'm required to preach through the word of God. The word of God says a lot of fun stuff and it says some not so fun stuff. And then you got to say some stuff that isn't all that fun. And then you got to have the people staring at you. Like, pastor, don't be messing with my money. Pastor, don't be messing with my marriage. Pastor, don't be messing with my politics. Pastor, don't be messing with how I view people who are minorities. Don't be messing with the, how I view immigrants. Don't be messing with my ambition. Don't be messing with that. Don't, 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 don't. I'm like, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just teaching the word of God. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just reading the word. You're not, your, your problem isn't me. Your problem is the Bible. But here's why you got to pray for the worship leader. The worship leader just stands up here and just sings songs that makes you happy. The pastor's preaching. People get mad. But when I'm leading, oh, people are happy. People are happy when I'm leading. Maybe, maybe the wrong person's preaching. Pray for, your, pray for your worship leaders, man. They just got, oh, look, I sing, and everybody's raising their hands and being happy. Woo, I'm doing a great job. You didn't write none of them songs. 
Your whole ministry is being a cover band. Relax. Relax. Just relax. You got to pray for, I'm telling you, you got to pray for worship leaders. You got to pray for worship leaders. It's a hard place to be in. I love being a greeter. Greeter, hey, how you doing? How you doing? You don't ever have to give a hard word. (laughs) How you doing? How you doing? You want to be a therapist? Watch out. Watch out. Because they're going to blame their problems on you. I came to you for my marriage, and now my wife is yelling at me. I'm like, that's my fault. You've been married to her 20 years, and now it's my fault she's yelling at you. No, it ain't me, bro. Does anybody hear what I'm saying right now? You got to pray for people. We got to be the church. But, but we want communion with God. That's, that's, that's the point here. My wife's like, come on, where are you going with this? Check this out. <clears throat> but we want, we want to commune with God in prayer. And that's specifically what I want to talk about. I want to talk about communing with God in prayer. Entering into the plane of the Spirit. Entering into the anointing that He has made available to us. We talked about this before, but it's interesting Luke in chapter 11 gives us what, it's the, it's the disciples' prayer. We call it the Lord's prayer, but it's the disciples' prayer. But, but we, see, we see the same thing happening in Matthew, where the Lord uh, teaches the disciples to pray. Now, here's what's different between the prayer in Luke and anywhere else where the Lord's prayer is cited. <clears throat> the Lord says, in Matthew... And I want you to hear this. He says, pray this way. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. Do not lead us into temptation. Now what's interesting about this prayer is that it's in the first person plural. It's not in the first person singular. And I'm reading out of Matthew chapter 6 for those who are looking for it. Matthew chapter 6 is the, is the Lord's Prayer. But the Lord's Prayer doesn't, it doesn't use I. It uses us. It uses we. And the Lord is, is teaching communion with God. Is, starts with communion with man. Our Father in heaven, give us our daily bread. The way Luke teaches it is a little different, and this is what I kind of want to center on today as the Lord downloaded it to me. Luke, trying to, he kind of cuts off the prayer, forgive us our sins, for we ourselves, I'm in Luke chapter 11, also forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. And then he tells a story that isn't in the other ones. Are, are you following me here? Instead of the end of the prayer, he, he kind of tells a story. And in the story, he says, suppose, I'm in Luke chapter 11, Verse 5, I'm reading out of the New American Standard. He says, suppose one of you has a friend and goes to him at midnight and says to him, friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine has come to me from a journey and I have nothing to eat. I have nothing to set before him. And from inside, he answers and says, do not bother me. The door has already been shut and my children and I are in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give him anything because he is a friend, yet because of his persistence, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. So Jesus has this thing about honor and shame. 
And the Lord has been talking to me at length, and those in my life group know this. My, my life group meets at uh, Wednesdays at 7.30 on Zoom. If you don't have a life group, we invite you to join us. Uh, if you're not sure how to do that, fill out a connection card, talk to somebody in the lobby. It's on the website. Figure it out. We'll work it out, right? So we, we talked about shame and honor. I am trying to do a deep dive into figuring, is there a lack of shame in our society today? I, 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 was, I, was, I was convinced that what we need in our society today is a little bit more shame because people aren't ashamed of their awful behavior. But as I studied the Word, I can't find in the Word anywhere where people are supposed to help other people feel shame. And I looked. Now, the conviction of the Holy Spirit Godly sorrow produces repentance. Right? Amen. Amen. Not shame. And so God does not have a high value for shame. And he, as a matter of fact, has a high value for honor. And so in, in, in the days of Jesus, if someone were to come to your house and you did not have food to put on the table, it would be a work of shame. It would produce shame within the person. And so this person goes to the neighbor and knocks on the door and says, hey, I have to honor my, my, this person who has shown up, my guest, with food, but I don't have any. Would you please give me some? And the person's like, no, I'm sleeping. I don't have time for you right now. But this person does not want to dishonor their guest, and so he keeps knocking on the door so that he, with his persistence, the man will get up, honor his neighbor by honoring the guest. Are, are, you, are, are you with me here? And we have, this, we, have this, uh, we have this thought in the Bible. Whenever we read the Bible here in the Western church, we, 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 we put ourselves at the center of everything. Like, we are the rescuer in every story, right? Like, we're always David, we're never Goliath. We're never the, 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 the priest on the side of the road, we're always the good Samaritan. And, and I've taught on this extensively. If we're anybody in that story, we're the one on the side of the road, and Jesus is the good Samaritan, right? Like, we, 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 we make ourselves as if God wrote this entire book to make us think that we're like God. When the whole book is written to show us that we need the one true God. And that he is worthy to be trusted. And so there, there's this knocking on the door. And, and, and we like to teach this scripture to say that Jesus is knocking on the door of our hearts. And he's persistently knocking. Or we're, we're knocking on the door of Jesus. And we need to persistently knock. Until God gets up and does something. And we teach us like it's persistence in prayer. Like, like if, if we didn't get the answer to our prayer yet, we need to keep knocking. And if we didn't get that thing we need yet, we need to keep knocking. And if we didn't get what we wanted yet, we need to keep knocking. But as, as the Lord began to talk to me last night, I started seeing this scripture a little, a little bit different. A little bit different. As we read this, it says, for a friend of, it says, suppose one of you has a friend and goes on to him at midnight and says to him, friend, lend me three loaves, but for a friend of mine has come to me 
from a journey. Now, I want you to remember that this scripture that I'm reading you right now, Jesus is continuing his teaching on prayer. Let's read the prayer again as Luke shows it in Luke chapter 11, starting in verse 2. He says, when you pray, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, give us each day our daily bread. Give us each day our daily bread. Immediately he tells a story about a man who doesn't have bread. He doesn't have bread for his neighbor, for his friend, for his guest. And so there's someone knocking on the door saying, hey, someone needs some bread and you got bread. Give us this day. See, there's this collective unity that God is going for that when we see one person in need, we say, I have a need. And when I see someone in my church hurting, I say, I am hurting. And when I see someone in my church going through a trial, I'm going through a trial. When I see someone in the church in mourning, I am in mourning. Now, the natural world says when someone has fallen off, when someone's hurting, when someone is, is being persecuted, when somebody, I got to distance myself. I don't want to be near the sick. I don't want to be near the hurting. The, oh, they're going through a divorce. Let me cut them off because I don't want that on my marriage. Oh, they got a little fight going on. I don't want nothing to do with that. Let me just shut them down. Let me just, oh, you're, you're, you're now in poverty. I don't want you touching my money. Let me just keep an arm's distance. But Jesus shows us we need to pray. Give us, our community, our daily bread. See, this, this, this prayer is not just you praying to God. It's an act of corporate intercession. For everyone joined to you. Give us this day our daily bread. Now what if you and I were praying, Lord, we need a loaf of bread tomorrow. I need one for my family. And, 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 and Chelsea needs one for her family. We're praying, give us this day our daily bread. And I turn and there's two loaves sitting next to me. What do you do? Hey, hope you get some too. No, naturally you would say, clearly the Lord has answered our prayers. Here's a loaf. I, I, need, I need you to hear this, right? I, 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 need you to, I need you to get this. And so the Lord says, pray that we receive our daily bread. Then he tells a story about a man who needs some bread, but his neighbor's got a little extra, but he doesn't have enough. And we like to think that this prayer is about us knocking on the door of God to give us bread. Now think about this. Is that the God that Jesus just told us about, that we need to beg him to get enough food to eat? Nah, that's that, that God is somehow sleeping? Isn't, 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 isn't that how Elijah mocked the prophets of Baal? Saying, you don't ask your God for something. Maybe he's asleep. Because, you see, in those days, they believed that Baal went to sleep during the winter. And when fall came, Baal would wake up, 
the sun would shine, then the snow would go away, and now you could produce crops again. Obviously, it's better to be able to produce crops year-round, but in the winter they couldn't, so they could not figure out why God wouldn't give them crops in the winter. So they came up with this idea that it's because their God is asleep. And so Elijah starts mocking them. Hey, you're asking your God for stuff. He's not doing nothing. Maybe he's on Maybe he's sleeping right now. Or then Elijah says, maybe he's on the toilet and he can't come. Like, like there's, he's got more pressing needs than helping you out. But see, there's no way that same mockery of God is what's happening in the story of Jesus. There's no way he's saying, your God, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Rapha. There's no way that this God is so tired and, and filled with slumber that he can't help you. So who's knocking at the door? Let me tell you, you and I are the ones asleep. Jesus is the one knocking on the door saying, hey, you see that extra bread? Get up, sleepy one, and start helping somebody. You see the extra, the full cabinet? Oh, I know it's inconvenient to actually show grace. I know it's going to make you get out of your routine to actually love someone else. But God is knocking on the door persistently saying, I have called you to communion with your fellow man so you can be in communion with the will of God. God is knocking on our door saying, will you meet the need of someone around you? Will you meet the need of someone around you? I am, I am convinced that what is plaguing our nation right now is manifesting lots of ways. But it is rooted in a church that is so self-centered in its own prosperity. It's not meeting the needs of the hurting. And God is knocking on the door of the church in America saying, would you think a little bit less about yourself and a little bit more about the hurting ones I have sent you to help? Now, I don't have the answers. <clears throat> and I have offended so many people apparently by preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ over the last year. I wish I'd have preached it three years earlier. Because if I'm going to get persecuted over anything, it's telling you the gospel, the hard parts. Because that's the parts you grow from. Amen. 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 Hear me. I'm not an economist. I'm not a politician. I don't know how we're supposed to run anything. I'm barely running my own life, right? Like me and the Holy Ghost. I'm not, so don't, don't, don't get your panties in a bunch if I say something that offends you. Because I'm not talking about your favorite politician or your favorite government program. I don't, I don't know anything about it. I know the church. And what's happening in America, Jesus is like, huh, there's some people who are ashamed because they're, they're broke. What are you going to do about it? Have you noticed the tent cities popping up all over our country? That's the, that's the shame of the church. Well, you're saying that the government, I'm, I'm talking about the church. Jesus did not say, I will send you a government. He said, I, I will build my church. The church. Don't put your hopes in the government. People are like, we need student loan, whatever. Whatever. I'm talking about what the church is supposed to do. What the church is supposed to do. And what happens is, we're so caught up in this world. We have so bought into the American dream that we have left 
God behind. Our lives are so busy that we don't have time to slow down for God. We, 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 we don't see the presence of the Holy Spirit on believers. We, we don't see the anointing at work in the lives of believers. How, how do we know? There's no conviction of sin in the church. There's no conviction of sin. People will gossip without conviction. Like, man, have you been near Jesus? Have you been in His presence? Have you had the Spirit of God enter the room where you feel unclean and you repent of your sins? You say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Cleanse me, God, for I am unclean. Purify my heart. Purify my, my mouth. Purify my words. I have spoken ill against another. That's the conviction of the Holy Ghost. And where is the church that would tell somebody, my God, I heard what came out of your mouth, but did you hear it? So many Christians today walking in judgment of other Christians. I'm on TikTok. Don't be surprised. I'm up there preaching on it. I don't care. I'm doing it. There's people making their whole ministry on TikTok talking bad about the church. Let me tell you something. I'm, I'm 51. Am I 51? I'm 51. I've been around long enough. I just forget. I've been around... <clears throat> You ask any saint in here my age or older who's been walking with God for a while. I need you to hear this. This never works out long term for people. Am I right? People who spend their entire ministry bad mouth in the church, it does not work out long term for them. Am I speaking the truth? It never works out long term. You cannot build a ministry off bad mouth in the church. God is not in it. He's not in it. And so there's people on TikTok, and there's people who are deconstructing in this day and age. And, and I'm all for deconstructing bad theology. I'm all for it. But the church is God's hope for the world. It's God's hope for the world. Now, suppose that you feel called for me to be your spiritual father. Say you feel like the Lord has told you that there's something on my life that God is going to raise up in your life and multiply, maybe even go bigger and better and beyond. But you're talking nasty stuff about my wife all the time. How much do you think you're getting from me? What do you think you're going to get out of my life? What access do you think you're going to have to me? Uh, the church is the bride of Christ. You cannot be close to the Father and bad talk to the church. It, it is not possible. But there's people who are building their entire ministry because they don't have communion with God. They have communion with their bitterness. And they think their bitterness is somehow God's judgment against his bride. Now, listen, if I have an offense with my wife, and I've, I've, I've had a few, you know, I've, I'm weak. I'm weak. I'm weak. I've, had, I've, had, I've, I've been offended more than once with my beautiful bride. It's hard to believe. I know it's true, but I have. And uh, there, there might be two people on this planet I've ever discussed those things with. And we talk about how to work on my heart. Because I'm not, I'm not bad-mouthing my bride. It's my job to bring her glory. That's what a husband does. That, that, that's... And if you ever wanted to get in trouble in my family, with me and my kids, it's when one of my kids talks bad about anybody else in the family publicly. 
We don't, we're Team Thomas. You don't do that. You got a problem, you bring it to Team Thomas. You don't go spreading it out there. You bring it to Team Thomas. You got a problem, you bring it to we don't, we, we, we ain't going to be talking with all of them about it. No, that's not going to happen. You are never going to side with someone outside the family against someone inside the family. That ain't going to happen. Because let me tell you, the best friend you got right now, you may not even talk to them in three years. But that's still going to be mama. That's still going to be daddy. It's still going to be your sister. It's still going to be your uncle. As much as you got that crazy uncle like we all do, he's still going to be your uncle in 15 years. Come on, somebody. You can't be bad-mouthed in the church and think you're close to God. We need to wake up a little bit here. We need to be the church. And so, and so we're, our lives are so busy that, 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 that we, outpace, we outpace God. We feel like we don't have enough time for God. We don't spend time communing with God. We don't spend time in God's presence. John Wesley famously said, he, said when I'm, when he says, I pray, I pray all the time, but when I have twice as much to do, I need to pray twice as long. When we get busy, the first thing we do is start cutting out God as if that's going to make the thing easier. No, no, I've got to pray twice as long. There's a, there's, there, there's a book out there. I haven't read it entirely. I've only skimmed it. It's by a man named Sam Herman. And uh, he poses the question, at what speed does God travel? Because we feel like God is slow. Like, I am in a hurry. God, I need you to catch up with me and what I'm doing. I'm accomplishing so much. Why aren't you speaking about all the things that I'm doing? And, and this man, he, 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 he posits that God travels. You know how fast God travels? Do you, do you know the speed of God? Let me tell you, about three miles an hour. Because God walked the earth. And in this passage of Scripture, he's walking. He's walking toward Jerusalem. And the average person walks about three miles an hour. And so we're trying to live a 70-mile-an-hour life with a three-mile-an-hour God. Saying, God, why aren't you keeping up with me in prayer? Why aren't you keeping up with what I'm trying to do? Why aren't you? Because God is like, man, you have passed me a long time ago. Wish I was as fast as you and knew as much as you and knew what was coming like you. That, that would be amazing, but I'm traveling at three miles an hour. We need to slow down and catch God. Amen. <clears throat> we need to slow down and catch God. And so I find myself, sometimes my thoughts are racing. You ever get that? Your thoughts are racing. You can't slow your thoughts down. And so you just start doing more. You're like, let me, let me get my life to catch up with my thoughts. No, that might be the opposite thing. That might be why your thoughts are racing. Perhaps we need to just delete some social media apps from our phone for a couple months. Perhaps we just say through between 11 and 12 is when I'm on social media and between 5 and 6. And that's it. Because my thoughts are going too fast. And those things are programmed for three-second thoughts. I need to slow down to catch up with God. Now, I, 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 um, <clears throat> one of my professors said this at Rock My World, Bobby Waddell. He said, God's first language is silence, and we don't do silence well. God's first language is silence, and we don't do silence well. But if you want to commune with God, there's got to be some communication. I, uh, I, I met somebody recently, and I called them, and I really wanted to get to know them because I've been in um, group chats with them uh, on, on Zoom calls with uh, some bishops, and, I, uh, and, and they had weighed in. I'm like, wow, this person's brilliant. And, um, 
and uh, d- different people. And when I um, went to talk to them, uh, they talked for 40 minutes straight. And I was like, well, that, that's interesting. Thank you. I'm like, that's, Natalia's like me. I'm like, I'm like, I asked one question and I'm, and so I'm like, well, that's, that's, you know. And so then when they were done talking, I was like, I'm not going to say nothing. I'm just going, I want to see if they even need me on the phone. <laughs> and then it turns out they asked me about, hey, tell, so that's, that's my story. Now would you tell me your story? It's like, oh, they communicate differently than me. So for me, you get in a sentence or two, then I get in a sentence or two. And then you get in a sentence or two, then I get in three or four. Then you get in one or two, then I get in six or seven. You know, like, that's why you don't want to do marriage counseling with me. It's mostly going to be me, right? That's why I'm a preacher. It's what I do. But I just sat there a little offended, a little like, what, 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 you know, like, is this a conversation or am I in a, like, are you going to say, let's stand up, let's pray, like at the end of your time? Like, what's, but this is how he communicated. He said, let me tell your story. And I was like, huh, I'm not used to talking this way, but then I told my whole story. He didn't interrupt me once. And I said, okay, so we're communicating differently. And so we communicate with God like he was man, not trying to understand how God communicates to us. And God often will communicate to us in silence. Can you be still before the Lord and know that he is God? There's times where we just sit there, we shut up, and he says nothing, and we just sit in his presence knowing that he is God. We call that communion with God. Now, yes, there's tarrying. There is grabbing hold of the horns of the altar and praying something through. And I believe that to be true. But we got to be able to sit with God long enough to see something happen. We have to be able to hold on to a promise and bring it before God time and again and say, God, I am not moving till I hear you today. Even if it's not what I want to hear, I am sitting here until you invite me into the Trinity and understand some level of what you are doing. Can you say amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Acts chapter 2, we love talking about the day of Pentecost. We love talking about the and suddenly. I was going to preach on the and suddenly today. That was my my first of my third messages was on the and suddenly, but the Lord wouldn't let me preach it yet. And uh, because the and suddenly came after 10 days of prayer. Now, this is important. I want you to get this. Can you imagine a room full of people praying for 10 days for something to happen? Singing songs and praying. And I want you to get the context of this. I'm going a little late, but I, I'm, I'm, I'm working this out. <clears throat> Have you ever failed? Have you ever failed in a way that other people saw you fail? Have you ever not performed in a way that made you cringe to think about it? You ever had such a painful season of your life that you didn't even want to see the people from the season? Anybody know what I'm talking about? You had such a painful season that you don't hit them on Facebook. You don't even want to see them come through your scroll. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You're like, I can't even see these people because the pain 
that it brings up in my heart. It reminds me of the failure. It reminds me of the hurt. Maybe, maybe you got fired from a job from them. Maybe it was your ex who said we'd be together forever and then they cheated on you. Maybe it's someone who said we'll walk together forever and then you found out they were lying and gossiping about you. Maybe you've been lied on by people you thought were family. I don't know, but at some point, just the, just the sight of them brings pain into your heart and you just want to hide. Has anybody been through that? So here we have the disciples in the book of Acts and they had this Messiah who, who, who was their rabbi and this was going to be the rabbi of rabbis and he was going to take over and redeem them all and then he dies. He's dead. I can imagine the embarrassment. I mean, I, mean, I, I don't get mad at Thomas. Thomas is like, I've just been hurt. I'm not ready to trust you again yet. Peter said, I'm going to just go fishing. Judas just went ahead and hung himself. He didn't kill himself. He's like, I messed that up. I'm, it's just better to be dead than go through this. Thomas said, yeah, no, I got my hopes up once. I'm not doing it again. Unless I can feel the hole in his side and I can feel the holes in his hands. I, 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 I'd just rather act like this whole season never happened. I'll go back to my life. Right? This is the context. And then Jesus visited him for a glimpse. They just had a glimpse. Couple days, and then he disappears. And what they do? They didn't go back to fishing, they went to prayer. They got together, they had a prayer meeting. And I can imagine they all ran to that room expecting Jesus to knock on the door once again, but he didn't knock. He didn't knock at all. Day one, they know their Messiah was murdered. Maybe. Who knows how long it took them to find out that Judas committed suicide. Day three, nothing's happening. Singing songs and praying. Day four, day five, they're a week into a prayer meeting. Just tearing. Just holding on. Just, there's no way they knew what was happening. All they knew that a surprise was coming. Wait for the promise. They don't, they don't have any idea what that means. But at this point, they're like, the, the, the shame. Like, I just, we, 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 I, I. I got a muscle through it. I was disappointed in God, but I got a muscle through it in prayer, in communion with God. Day eight, day nine. I mean, eight's the number of revival. They're like, oh, you know, it's got, it's got to be, you know, five. That's the number of man. It's got to be seven because then that's the full week. But it's got to be eight. That's the number of revival. Maybe, maybe it's nine. Maybe, you know, and on the 10th day, on the 10th day, after 10 days of praying, praying, the Holy Spirit fell. The Holy Ghost fell on all of them. Now, here, here's what I wanted to tell you. <clears throat> it's possible. It's possible as we are praying as believers, Lord, give us this day. We're praying for the church universal. Maybe the breakthrough you got last year was something your grandma done prayed 40 years ago. Give us, give my people their daily bread. And the check that came in the mail wasn't the prayer that you prayed the night before, but it was the prayer of maybe your friend who didn't even know what had been, what was going to come to your life a month earlier. And they're praying. And maybe, maybe that seed was sown a day ago, a month ago, a year ago. We don't know because it's a communion of believers praying for the church universal. We don't know. We don't know when these seeds of prayer are going to bring a harvest. But you can tell people who are not harvesting. 
You can tell people who are not operating in the fruit of the Spirit that prayerfulness died a long time ago. You see, when you pray and you live in the presence of God, there's a momentum you get. There's a momentum you get, and you just float on that momentum, and then the world gets busy, and you still got momentum, so you got a little bit of time to ride it out, but eventually it slows down a little bit, and you start, ah, things that didn't used to hit you, hit you a little bit, and things that didn't used to bother you, bother you a little bit, and the things that you weren't tempted by all of a sudden start to tempt you a little bit, and all of a sudden you don't even realize it, but now you don't even know where God is. Now you go in your prayer closet talking about, God, when, when, where, where did you go? And he's like, I've been walking three miles an hour the whole time. You done took a bus, plane, train, and an automobile. And I'm still walking right where I was where you left me. But you can't find him. You see, the gospel... The gospel is always about God and what God is doing in the world in us and through us. The gospel of Jesus Christ is always about God. It's not about me getting a paycheck. It's not about my kids getting into college. The gospel is not about me having a bigger house. The gospel is about what God is doing in us and through us. And Jesus promised, if you keep your eyes on that, all these blessings that the world has to manipulate people for, has to swindle, has to lie for, they're going to all overtake you. Except you'll get it clean. Not owing anybody anything. You see, we're not on our own. We're in this thing with everybody else. And so very quickly as I end here, oh, sweet Jesus. <clears throat> I want to challenge you to pray the Lord's Prayer every morning. Use the words, if you have to, out of Matthew. Expound upon them if you got time, and I hope you make time. But <clears throat> I got four prayers I want to teach you real quick. And I don't know how fast you type back there, but maybe you can type these four words on a slide. They're complicated words. Are you ready? Wow, thanks, help, yes. Not that. Wow, thanks, help, yes. Wow. These, these are four prayers I want you to learn. Wow, thanks, help, yes. Wow is adoration. Wow, God, you are amazing. You are wonderful. You are beautiful. Thanks is thankfulness. <clears throat> My wife and I were having a bad day the other day. Like, things were not so great. Woke up, you ever wake up and, and life's already bad? <laughs> like, all I did today was sleep and it's already bad. I ain't even out of bed yet. Life's already bad. That's the devil, right? <clears throat> and so we were laying in bed, and this is one of them days where you're like, let's not get out of bed. You ever been there? Like, let's just stay in bed. Like, the world is out, outside the bed. If we stay in the bed, we can escape the world. Is it just me? Or, um, and I said to my wife as we laid there, knowing we've got to get out of bed, I said, here's what we're going to do. We're going to come together tonight, and we're going to collect things that we're thankful for today. And we pray to, when we pray before we go to bed tonight, we're going to share our collection of thankfulness. 
Because that's a prayer. Thankfulness is a prayer. God, I just, and, and, and if you've got to be religious, be religious. If you've got to be corny, be corny. I'm glad you woke me up this morning. Started me on my way. Just, just start where you got to start. Thank you, Lord, that you gave me breath. Thank you, Jesus, that I got my right mind, right? Like, and then just begin to look for things that you're thankful for. You go out into the kitchen, thank you, Jesus, I got food in the cabinet. Now, let me tell you, that ain't a big deal unless you ever looked in the cabinet and you ain't had no food. Then all of a sudden, you're like, I'm thankful. Look, I don't woke up in air conditioning. I didn't grow up in air conditioning, but I woke up today in some air conditioning. Thank you, Jesus, for some air conditioning. Then all of a sudden, your heart begins to shift a little bit, right? You're not as irritated about the stupid things. You're just a little more thankful, right? Lord, thank you that my kid is still alive. No, I'm not irritated they didn't do the dishes. No, I'm not irritated they left, they, they, they drank up all the milk and didn't tell me to put the empty milk thing back in the fridge. No, I'm not irritated about none of that. I'm just thankful for the children that you brought me. Love them so much, Jesus. So we got wow, we got thanks. Then we got probably the best one yet. Help! Help! Jesus, help! I need some help! Help! That's intercession right there. We need some help, Jesus. Help me, Jesus. Intercession. Pray it. Help! Let's pray it together. Make sure you got this. Help! That's good. Find that key right there when we go to sing in a minute, all right? Come on up and play keyboard if you would for a little bit for me, if you would. And here's probably the most important amount of the four. Yes. That's your surrender to God. That's your surrender to God right there. That, 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 that's, that's you being changed and shaped by God. That's you saying, God, I don't want to forgive, but I know that you want me to forgive. So I'm willing to be willing to forgive. I'm not willing yet, but I'm willing to be willing, and I need you to change me. Yes, God, I will go where I don't want to go. Yes, I will give when I don't want to give. Yes, I will serve when I don't want to serve. Yes, I will be faithful. Yes, I will be a follower. These are prayers that produce union with your brother and union with God. My wife and I have been married. Don't tell me. about to be 22 years. 22 years. Amen. This February, and, 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 and this don't have a, 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 a count. Six days. In six days, we're going to be married 22 years. And, and, and amen. Amen. Yeah, those clapping, though, that's a, that's a, that's a work right there. That's praiseworthy right there. They're, they're just clapping it into their marriage. Yes, yes. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Yes. 22 years. Our communion is now that we don't have to use words a lot of times. Because we spend so much time together, spend so much time listening to one another, spend so much time praying with one another, spend so much time praying for one another. Often our nonverbal language is more communicative than the verbal language. Because sometimes you don't even know what someone means when they say, especially your wife, right? You don't know, you don't know what those words mean. Like, I know outside the context of my marriage what those words mean. But when you say it, I don't know what it means. I don't, I don't, are you telling me you want to go there or you do not want to go there? Because you said fine, but I'm feeling it wasn't fine. Like, I'm not sure what's happening. Just, just give me the words. Just use words. Like, by the way, don't ever say that to your wife. Don't, don't, 
Use your words is not, don't, they don't like that. Use your words. They don't like that. They don't, they don't, they don't, they don't like that. Mm -mm. You're trying to be helpful. They don't, they don't like that. They don't, don't use that. I should try that with God. Use your words. Let me know what's, please, please. I'm not going to do that. But our communication now, like, like, you know to look, right? You know to look when they're happy. You know to look when they're not happy. You know, you know, you know. Just a little eyebrow raise means I'm ready to leave. Like, we'll be at a party and it's like, I, got, I just got to move the one eyebrow. You ready to go, huh? Mm-hmm. It's time to go. This is the communion God wants to have with you in prayer. Where you spend time that you know one another. That the world looks crazy, but you're like, I know God. Things are right the way they're supposed to be going. In this age of craziness and suffering, you better know God. And if you don't, it's time to start digging that well again. Otherwise, you start cooling off and you lose the fear of the Lord. Jesus said, if you want to be my disciple in Matthew 16, you will take up your cross and follow me. Let me finish this verse here. Jesus finishes in Luke chapter 11. And he directs this. He changes the direction. He talks about God knocking at your door, telling you to get up and help lift your neighbor's shame with your supply. Right? Your neighbor's walking in shame and I have equipped you to lift the shame. Right? Get up out of your bed. Recognize your neighbor's shame and deliver them. And then he says in verse 9, and so I say to you, ask and it will be given. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. Everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds. And him who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of your fathers, if your son asks for fish, will give him a snake? Or if an egg, give him a scorpion? If you then, and here's the promise. Here's the promise now. Here's the bread God wants to give you. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to him who asks? Do not reduce God to a sleeping, grumpy giant who won't give you a loaf of bread. That ain't God, that's us. Your God is the one, Jesus tells us, that as soon as you ask, He will give you the Holy Spirit. And when the Spirit lives on the inside of you, you are welcome into the communion of God where nothing is impossible, where all things are 
possible. Though things look dead, God can bring resurrection. And where things look shameful, He's already had the intercession of saints to bring someone along who will wake up and bring you bread and lift the shame off of your life. Come on, somebody. God right now is preparing a way for you to be delivered from your shame. Stand with me. We're going to pray. You may be dealing with confusion today. You, 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 you may um, not be hearing God like you want to. I want to end this. We're going to sing that chorus one more time. And you may feel lost, but God knows. God knows where you left. He knows where you don't kick it into fifth gear and he's just still in first gear, kind of trawling along. He knows the slow path when you wanted the fast path. He knows how to bring you back. So before we go into this verse, <clears throat> I want us to pray together. And as much as I want to lead you in a prayer, I, I don't feel like I'm supposed to. I feel like the Holy Spirit's going to lead you in a prayer. Sunday night, we had the, just a beautiful beautiful time of intercession. It was beautiful. I, I haven't been in a lot of prayer meetings that I would call beautiful. But it was beautiful because Holy Spirit was in charge. And He spoke in ways that just really blew my mind. Through people in ways that blew my mind. To show me that the church is the church. And so, right now, Holy Spirit of God is here. You turn up the keys a little bit, just kind of drown people out. And what I'd like you to do is just repent of being too fast for God. You know, you can only go so fast when you're carrying a cross. You know, when you're carrying a cross, it'll keep you from going into certain doors. That cross won't fit. You don't look different to people when you're carrying a cross. It's hard to walk up to somebody and look nonchalant when you're carrying a cross. When you're carrying a cross, your life's going to look a little different. You're going to have to rest and gather your strength when you're carrying a cross. There's a Sabbath that you're going to have to enter into where you stop just hear from God. And I'd like us as a church right now just to maybe repent of being too fast for God. Not considering the ways of God. No shame. No shame. No shame. We're not talking about shame. We say, God, I, 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 I've heard you knocking on my door because I got some extra bread. Maybe he's been knocking on your door. You got to get out of bed just to pray. Maybe he's been knocking on your door. It's time to open some books, read your Bible, have uncomfortable conversations, get some things at your life, delete a social media. I don't know. Get faithful to God and your finances. I don't know. 
You may have thought that you lost you, but God knows where to find you. So go ahead and pray real quick. And ask God to light it in you. Desire to sit. Tell Him, I know where my help comes from. It comes from the Lord, maker of heaven and earth. Though you walk through a valley of death, you'll fear no evil because His rod and staff will comfort you. Come on, 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 pour it out, come on. Come on, come on, come on, 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 come on. Come on, come on, come on
Come on, let it bubble up. Let it bubble up. Let it bubble up. Let it bubble up. Bubbling, 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 bubbling. Fire of God. Fire of God. Fire of God. I feel it. I feel the attack coming off you right now in the name of Jesus. Come on. Release a prophetic word over your life. Release a prophetic word over your own life. Prophesy over your circumstances. Hear the voice of God speak over your own life. Let the Spirit make intercession through you right now. I feel victory coming on somebody. I feel the shackles coming off somebody. Come on, right now. Get out of your comfort zone. I don't care if you're an usher. I don't care what you're doing right now. Come on, the shackles coming off. You might need to move to a different space to say, God is moving me right now out of my place of bondage into a place of communion. I feel the Lord right now delivering out of Egypt into the promised land. I feel victory coming on somebody right now.
Come on, I'm ready. Come on, he's doing this. is a prophetic moment. I see the light in the darkness. This is a prophetic moment right now. Spouse to him, I can hear the roar in the heavens. My grandmother, get up and begin laying hands on some people. I can feel the ground beneath us as the prison walls came in. Lay hands on some people. Lay hands on some people. Come on. Between us, I can hear, I can hear those chains falling. Anastasia, put your hands out. Put your hands out like this. The Lord's going to go. I hands see out. those chains falling. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I see those chains falling. Yeah, just put them out. He's going to anoint them. I see those chains.
I don't have time to teach on this, but I believe there is an increase in the prophetic anointing that is coming. And in the New Testament, well, let me say this way, in the charismatic church, we look at every prophetic word as like hitting lotto. But in the old covenant, when the prophet showed up, people got scared. Because if God had to send a prophet, that means things were going bad. And in the New Testament church, we've just thrown that whole model out. As if we won't be so hard-headed that God won't have to send somebody to give us a correction. But I believe there's a prophetic anointing. It's always in love. But it produces the fear of the Lord. A desire for holiness. A desire for sanctification. And some of you, I don't know who, but some of you are going to hear words coming out of your mouth of a beautiful, loving, gentle challenge. Like Jesus knocking on the door saying, you got something to say, you got something to give, it's time. this prophetic word is very specific now if in me giving this prophetic word you feel convicted of your sin just repent of your sin but that's not what I'm talking about what I'm talking about is some of you speaking righteousness to those who are backslidden that's the prophetic word I'm talking about now if me giving that prophetic word convicted you of your sin that is confirmation that this word is from the Lord God shows up, people want to get holy. And so, Father, I thank you what you did here today. Lord, this is who we want to be. A people of your presence, running after you. that you would seal this in our hearts in the name of Jesus I bless you today if God is doing something I would challenge you just now I'm conflicted right now because we have some people who set up some really nice Valentine's Day stuff and sometimes when you're in a moment like this you're like I don't want to eat a donut and celebrate Valentine's Day you will Maybe not yet. And we pay a lot of money for this place, so we can stay here as long as we want. We're not in a rush. If you have to leave, we bless you in the name of Jesus. Thank you for staying with us this long. I pray that you would serve the Lord throughout the week. If you need to leave, I, you've gone very long. I bless you. But uh, Brandon's going to play some music. And I would welcome you. If, you're, if the Lord is dealing with you, stay in your seat or come to the front and stay here at the altar. Historically, the altar from the time of Moses till today is where God meets people. There's something holy that happens at the altar. And I would welcome you to the altar if that's where you need to be.
Lord, we bless you in the name of Jesus. Share your bread with your neighbor. Amen? Thank you.